Hello, my name is Carl Lloydhauser. I am the senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I am so excited that you are with us on this podcast. We also want you to get connected in a church family. If you don't have a local church, check us out at gracemontrose.org. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to grow and connect with God. But we pray that these next 25, 30 minutes that you spend with us are powerful, that God meets you and speaks to you because he loves you so much. Lord, we just ask that uh, your Holy Spirit would guide us, lead us. Lord, I pray that um, the things that are you would just burn in our hearts. Anything else would just fall away. God, we uh, invite you, in fact, ask you to have your way with us to speak what you want to speak to us. Pray that you would lead me as I speak, God, and you would lead all of us as we listen in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, a couple other things. Uh, so we are uh, finishing up this uh, belonging series next week, and it's no accident that uh, it's finishing with Baptism Weekend. And so when we talk about belonging to the family of God, I, I see baptism as it's kind of like the wedding ceremony of your commitment to Jesus. It's when you publicly declare to everyone that I'm following him and I'm going to be with him the rest of my life. So if you have given your life to Jesus, but you haven't get ba- gotten baptized, I would urge you to please come sign up, be with us next week and just obey him and move forward with him. If uh, you were baptized uh, earlier in your life and it doesn't mean a whole lot to you or you just feel like you need to make this commitment. You are welcome. We accept double dippers. I'm a double dipper. You can come in to uh, uh, do that as well. So in fact, I was talking to a friend another day, the other day who actually has been baptized a couple times. He's just like, I, I fell away and I got to come back and I got to recommit. And I was like, yeah, come be there. Any step towards Jesus is a good step. And then also growth track, uh, which is taking place uh, tonight at six o'clock. Um, if uh, you don't have a, a place here to serve, listen, this is not a spectator sport. The kingdom of God is an all in, everyone in uh, type of endeavor. And so what we promise, if you come to three growth track meetings, the first one tonight, uh, if you come and do that, our, our guarantee to you is that we will help you get started. We will help you launch into what God has. And so when we talk about belonging, this is the way that you find belonging and connection. So come to growth track with us. So I think I've uh, told you before uh, that I have a, like a, a pretty amazing legacy on the Lloydhauser side, at least in my mind, of ministry. So my great-great-grandfather, August Lloydhauser, was a uh, pastor in Seward, Nebraska, and uh, he actually lived in a sod house because he couldn't afford anything else. And so pretty amazing. And, and then um, my great-grandfather, Rudolph, uh, he was a, a principal of a Lutheran high school, uh, I think in Nebraska as well. So he was in ministry. And then my grandfather was a principal of a Lutheran school, uh, St. John's Lutheran over in Denver. And so we have this kind of ministry legacy that was just kind of heading down. But our legacy, uh, I'd say our lineage, uh, well, it got interrupted. And actually, uh, I think it happened in, in my opinion with my grandfather. So when he was uh, seven years old, six years old, his mom died of blood poisoning as a complication of a surgery. And then one year later, his dad died of pneumonia. And so my grandfather was orphaned. And uh, so he kind of went to one uncle for a little while and then they shipped him out, I think when he was about 12 or 13, to another aunt who was just, uh, well, abusive, really, really harsh with him. And so th- this is a moment that kind of in my legacy in my family we're what I would call, what Gina and I often call like the orphan spirit, or maybe you call it an orphan mindset, kind of came into our home, kind of came into our lineage. And so now my, my grandpa did the best that he could, but it affected him. 
growing up as an orphan and going underneath that just affected the way that he uh, treated my dad and and his kids. And that affected the way that my dad uh, dealt with his family. And and the legacy that God had for us was just kind of, kind of, not stopped, but, but something came in, and I call it the, the orphan mindset. And the thing about this, you know, I've heard a lot of people talk about like generational curses and generational sins and, um, you know, these the spiritual strongholds. And listen, I, I think those things are real things, but I've heard people talk about them like, like they're kind of like powerless, like, well, there's nothing I can do. I mean, I have, I've literally had people in our office who are saying, well, I can't help but live this sinful lifestyle because it's a generational curse. And I'm like, what? Are you gonna tell me that the blood of Jesus is so diluted that it can't cover and change a legacy that's been handed off to you? Are, are you gonna tell me that, that the, there's so much power in the sins of our father that the cross isn't strong enough to change our life and change our destiny? You know, you know what the most powerful, complete way to change a legacy, or if you wanna call it a generational curse or whatever you wanna call it, you know the most powerful way to change that once and for all, to just put it in the ground? Live a different one. Just do a different I'm not going to agree with that. I, I'm not going to, to pass on an orphan mindset in my family. You know, I, I saw the damage that that did to, to my dad and to his family and to my grandpa. And I'm like, no, 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 this ends with me. I'm, li- I'm living a different one. And the blood of Jesus is enough that my legacy could be changed. And some of you, listen, you have a legacy that, that's not a good one. Some things that have been handed down to you that are a mess, and here's, here's my challenge to you. Live a different one. That it ends with you. And it ends with how you are going to live. That's the most powerful way to overcome a curse, a legacy, a generational sin. It's to say, I'm going to turn. Turn is just to repent. Say, I'm not, I'm not going to do that anymore. That's not going to hold our family. I'm going to do it different with my kids. That's how we overcome those generational sins. Some of you right now, it's time to change the legacy. I got a, a slide here. If you want to bring that up, there's uh, uh, four people. You know what uh, all four of those people have in common? They were all orphans. So, and I think it's interesting because all four of them, I, I think as a result, struggled with that and never completely separated themselves or overcame that orphan mindset. I think Marilyn Monroe is probably the greatest example of someone who just struggled her whole life because of her identity, because of this orphan mindset. But all four of them had significant problems. Now, there are many people who are orphans that have overcome it. Nelson Mandela was an orphan. Eleanor Roosevelt was an orphan. I haven't had a chance to look this up, but uh, someone told me this morning that President Ford was an orphan. Now, see, one thing that I want you to understand about uh, the orphan mindset is that it is the mindset that the enemy wants you to have. And you don't have to be an orphan to have it. In fact, I think it's come to all of us because of the brokenness that has happened with sin. See, what we were meant to be is in perfect fellowship with God. We're meant to walk in the garden in the cool of the day. I love that. We're meant to just walk in the garden with God, just hanging out with him. And then sin came and there was a breaking and we all became orphans. But that's not where we remain. And it's so important that you understand now that you belong. 
It's so important that you understand that you are a child of God. And let me show you why it's so important. If you have your Bible, open it up to John 15, verse 18. You know, you think about the world right now. I I know Jesus was talking to the apostles 2,000 years ago, but it's almost like he was thinking about you and me in 2022 when he said these things. In fact, I think probably he had us in mind. And it says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way. Why? Because of my name. For they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Now, however, they have no excuse for their sin. So here's one thing you have to understand. You belong to one of two things. You either belong to the world or you belong to Jesus. There's two camps and you're in one of them. You're either belonging to Jesus or you're belonging to the world. Now, if you belong to the world, it will embrace you. I think it'll probably turn on you as well, but it'll embrace you. It'll cheer you on. You're not gonna get a lot of resistance from the world and the thoughts of this world and the culture of this world if you belong to the world. But if you belong to Jesus and you are sold out for Jesus and you're gonna live for Jesus, the world is going to have problems with you because they have problems with him. And here's the very worst place for you to be. I think the worst place is to belong to Jesus but to think like an orphan. To be his, but to act like we're still part of this world. For 1 Peter 2.11, Peter, he tells us that we are aliens and strangers. He says, as aliens and strangers, abstain from the sins of this world. Now, is there anybody here who found it just a little difficult to get completely comfortable? There's like this longing, this hunger, there must be something more. Like it's, just, it's good, but it's just not great. It's not quite right. A little longing for something else. Well, you know why? Because there is something else. Because we actually belong to something greater. And this actually isn't our home. And we are aliens and we are strangers in this place. And we have to be careful of getting just a little too cozy and a little too comfortable with being in the middle of this world. And to remember that this actually isn't what it's about. And I'm finding that as I press in with Jesus... You know, I mean, he does difficult work. He causes me to repent and to face things and to change. And and I'm so thankful. And as I push forward in that, as I grow in him, I I find that I'm more and more content with who he is. And I am more and more content with who I am. But at the same time, I just have this longing that's just increasing in me. Almost a discomfort with being here. And I can't wait for his kingdom to come and his will to be done and for things to be restored. And see, are we, are we citizens of the world or are we citizens of heaven? And one of the great comforts we have in the middle of persecution and when people are making fun of you or they think that you're weird or you just feel like you can't fit in or there's something that's a little bit off is that we don't belong here. Our belonging is with the family of God. John 14, Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And he'll send his Holy Spirit to be with us. 
And so we have to all understand that, yes, we belong, but we do not belong to this world. We belong to him, and we are filled with the Spirit. And because of that great break, because of sin, Satan comes in, and he looks for a way to separate you, to remind you that you don't belong, to break your identity. I mean, if there's two things that we could preach about every week, it's who God is and who we are in him. And we could just get those two things, so much of the rest of everything would just come together. Now, I have, I've had personally, I think, this experience with the orphan mindset. And now some of it was just my response to difficulty that comes in life. We're like, I'm just, I was just geared to say, oh, yep, see, alone again, naturally, right? That's just how it goes. Or here, my theme song was, uh, who was it sing that at? Here I am again on my own. You know, I used to sing that all the time. That was like, yep, that's how it always happens for me, right? Well, I want you to tell you that, that you're not naturally alone. And that's not your place and that you belong. See, here's the first thing that I found about orphans is that orphans look for divisions. Or orphans look for ways to be separate where children look for unification, unifiers, ways to get together. Maybe you have found it. Like, I just don't belong. I don't fit in. Well, I want to submit to you that perhaps maybe it's your mindset. Maybe it's an orphan mindset. See, because an orphan is geared to look for the difference. They walk into the room and they're like, okay, now how are these people different? Uh, just testing it all the time. Can, can I fit here? These people are different. I see it in churches all the time. Oh, these people are too charismatic. Oh, they're too traditional. They're too progressive. They're too this. They're too that. Listen, I want to tell you, if Jesus, if you believe Jesus is fully God and fully man and died for your sins and rose again, listen, any church in town that holds that, we have way, way, way more in common than we do have, than we have differences. Those are our brothers and our sisters. And you should be able to walk into any place and say, yeah, okay, I don't like how they do communion. Oh, I don't like those songs. Oh, there's too much haze. There's too much hymns, whatever. I don't care. But these are my brothers. These are my sisters. This is our family. We belong to the family of God. That's what we're going to celebrate next week. Not that you're, you're not being baptized in a grace community church. You're being baptized in the name of Jesus, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that you're part of this amazing, huge family that we all belong to. There's so much in common. And so we come in and we're like, well, is this my tribe? Are these my people? Can I belong? Oh, we love our tribes. You know why? Because we find our tribe and they confirm our identity. Like, ah, yes, this is who I am. Because we weren't sure about it. So we need 10 other people to tell us and make us know that. See, but the thing is, is you come into the room already belonging. If you knew that you already belonged to him, that you already have a family, when you come into that tribe, when you come into that church, when you come into that other place, instead of saying, how could, am I going to make it here? You would say, how could I include others? Rather than looking for ways to exclude yourself. And your tribe could change. Or worse yet, you can change, right? Then what? But here we are, part of this amazing, diverse, beautiful family of God. Psalm 133.1 says how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. It's like oil flowing down Aaron's beard. And so he's the priest and it's like anointing comes. Power comes when we're unified together. So I have one of my, actually two of my daughters, I would describe two of my daughters as um, welcomers. You ever met one of those people? 
Were you just like, as soon as they get there, the party's arrived? Aren't those people great? Like, wow, hey, everything's good now, everything's fun. Because I mean, and the thing is, is, is both of those daughters, they just, they know who they are. And so when they come in, they're not looking like, will they accept me? They're actually looking like, how can they accept you? And how can they bring you in? I love hanging out with both of them. Because they always make me feel like I matter and I'm so important. And you know why? Because both those girls, they know that they belong to Jesus. So wherever they go, they know they belong. So they're just looking to welcome other people in. And you know what? People just want to be with them and hang out with them. And I want that for you. Not necessarily to be outgoing. You don't have to be an extrovert. You don't have to be the party. They bring the party with them everywhere they go. That, that's not, but I want you to be a unifier, not a divider. Man, when you go somewhere, be a welcomer. Not a, oh, I'm waiting in the corner for someone to reach out to me. Or, right? Get out there. Be a belonger. Be a son. Be a daughter. Be a giver. Be confident. Christians, you know what? You're actually meant to be confident. We're so afraid of pride. And listen, pride, pride's a mess. We're so afraid of arrogance that sometimes we throw away confidence. Two completely different things. Arrogance is all about us. Confidence is having the assurity to make it all about them. I want you to be confident in him. I want you to be a freed woman or a freed man so you can minister freedom to others. I want to show you this passage, and I've referred to it probably hundreds of times over the years, but I don't know if I've ever preached it. And it's Galatians 3, 26. And this is an amazing passage. This is a world-changing passage. If you understood how foreign this type of thinking was to culture 2,000 years ago, your mind would be blown. I mean, there was no place for what Paul is about to say here when he said it, Okay. No one would even have a grid for this. So in verse 26, he says, you are all sons of God. What a beautiful thing. Through faith in Christ Jesus, for all of you who were baptized in Christ, just another little pitch from Paul to get baptized, have clothed yourself with Christ. Now this is, this is amazing stuff. He says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, the, every single one of those statements there is absolutely radical for the time. The first one, there is neither Jew nor Greek. Now, is it talking about race? Yes. And so there are, in Jesus' eyes, there is no race. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. You were welcome. You were part of the family. There's no one greater. There's no one less. But there's another part about this Jew and Greek thing that we, that's lost on us. And so with the audience that Paul's talking to, the Jews are the ones who know. They're the insiders. They've received everything from God. And the Gentiles, the Greeks, are the outsiders. And Paul says, in religion, in faith, in him, there are no insiders and no outsiders. One of the things I hate hearing about is, oh, I'm at that church and now I'm, I was never part of the inner circle. There's no inner circle there are no in, inside and outside. They're just children. And every, listen to me, every single one of you, you have a place at the table in this ministry and you have a place at the table, especially in the kingdom of God. 
And so when you walk in, you just kind of, you don't let the kid's table back there. You walk right past it and you sit down at the table. That's your place, okay? There are no outsiders. What a radical idea. I mean, the Jews there were probably just like, whoa, what is he talking about? And some of you, you've been on the outside. You thought, well, I just, I'm not like them. And oh, my, my kids are like this and my family's like this. And no, no, listen, there are no outsiders. Your family, you're a child, you belong. And then he says, okay, and there's neither slave nor free. And we're talking in a society that even more so than ours, it's castes and systems and delineations with your, you know, these are the haves and these are the have-nots. And, and he goes all the way, slave nor free, no, neither. So listen, rich people, do you have poor friends? You should. Uneducated people, do you have educated friends? There's this beautiful power in belonging to Jesus that we belong with anyone. And anybody else found how amazing it is that the gospel just takes you to strange places relationally? I mean, I, sometimes I'm like, how did these people become my friends? How did I become their friends? I've got a, a friend in my D group. Uh, his name's Raphael. And I, I, we are so, so different. I mean, he is young and handsome and a full head of hair, and I'm not. And then he, he's, he was born in Mexico. I was born in the suburbs in Lakewood. I mean, he's super mechanical. He could fix anything with his hands. And all I can do, there's only one skill I have in my hands is I can type really fast, which isn't that cool. And he doesn't like to speak in public, but I love it. You know, we're just so different, but you know what? He is my good friend. And it's why? Because of Jesus. We're family. And I love knowing Raphael. I love knowing all these friends who are older. We just played cards the other night with people who are older than us. And we like to hang out with people who are younger than us. And I just, I, I feel sorry and, or, or just like maybe a little concerned if all you know and all you hang out with is people who are like you. Get beyond it because there's such a beautiful mosaic here. Tribalism, that's the space for orphans. But the mosaic of this beautiful family, so different, so diverse, I mean, that's what it is to be a child. So are you thinking like an orphan or are you living like a son and a daughter? And an orphan comes in and says, well, they aren't like me. Son or a daughter says, they are fascinatingly different. What a great time to be part of this amazing family. All right, here's another thing that I've noticed with orphans is that orphans are ready. They're just ready to be ripped off and children are ready to receive. So let's go on with the passage that we looked at here in verse 29. And we did look at a little bit of this a couple weeks ago. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and then and heirs according to the promise. What I'm saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. He is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by the father. So also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of this world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive the full rights as sons. We are fully part of the family. And an orphan, the cry of the orphan is more. More. And it is never enough. You know, Gina, uh, my wife, uh, her first career, she was a social worker, an adoption social worker. And um, back in the 90s, I don't know if you remember, 
but there was a, a really difficult time for adoption when it came to bringing uh, kids over from Russia. And she was actually seeing that in the middle of that. And so what, what would, uh, these kids that came over from Russia, they were uh, put in the orphanages there and they were never held. And so they were just in these cribs, just sitting there. I mean, their physical needs were met, but none of their emotional needs were met. And many of them were, then were adopted and they came into families and they just had these just, just really difficult attachment disorders. And now some parents really made some bad choices connected with that and it became, it was really, really rough. But these kids, I mean, Gina saw a number of them. They were, it was, they were difficult. I mean, that's an understatement. It was just like the things that they would do and say were like, what on earth? And see, what the problem is, is their needs weren't met at a critical time. And so as their physical, even when the physical need was met, they weren't satisfied because the heart cry continued to cry out. And it caused all sorts of problems. And see, here's what a child of God knows, is I already have all that I need. And here's some good news. Not only that, as a child of God, I already have all that I need and I am destined for more. So many of us are living like orphans. Like, well, the economy is gonna go bad, so now what? Well, God's gonna provide for you, that's what. God's gonna take care of you. He took care of you then, he's gonna take care of you then. So we're living like orphans. Like, did your father stop because of the economy? Did God stop being good in the midst of it? As a child of God, I have all that I need and I am destined for more. And I'm not talking about, oh, you're gonna get more stuff and more money and more house. You're gonna have more life. You're gonna have more freedom. You're gonna have more power. You're gonna have more connection with Jesus and he will continue to provide and take care of us. And some of us were still looking to meet that need that was never met. Desperate for approval. Because we need someone to tell us, yes, you're okay. Child already knows that God approves of us. Child already knows I'm good with him. Many of us were destroyed by criticism. We can't take it at all because we have an orphan heart that says, well, well maybe I am that. They said that about me. Is that true? Oh. See, a child of God already knows. I'm not that. I know who I am. And there's some wives and there's some husbands right here in this room and you're angry because your spouse hasn't answered the deep question of your identity. They can't. They won't. It can only be answered by Jesus. And there's some dads and there's some moms here and you're angry and you're hurt because your kids aren't meeting the deep cry of your heart and I want to tell you they were never meant to. That's not their job. Only God the Father could answer that. You know, why does, when you buy the dream home, why is it only the dream home for like two years after you buy it? And then it's time for a new dream home. Why, why does a man move heaven and earth to win the heart of a woman than neglect her when he's married to her? Boom. <laughs> why, why does that boat that you always wanted and you finally have become the hunk of junk in your yard that you just want to get rid of. Because a boat's a bad investment, just so you know, that that's the real reason. <laughs> I had one. It's a hole in the water you throw money into, right? Be wary. Be wary of looking for people or looking to things to give you only what God can give. 
You know, my, my relationship with Gina and my relationship with my girls, it goes so much better when I decide that I'm a giver. When I'm looking for what I can build into them than what I can take from them. You know, my relationship with my friends and my staff and my coworkers, just everybody, it just goes better when I have that mentality. You will always lack until you decide that he is the one who fulfills. And an orphan is looking and looking. Will you answer the question of my soul? You know, will you be my father? Will you be my father? Will you answer my hurt? Will you tell me I'm valuable? Where a child of God already knows they belong. We already know who we are. And I really want to challenge you. I think that this comes into all of our lives in different ways. What orphan mindset do you perpetuate, do you hold on to? Because they perpetuate themselves. See, we're trying so hard to be loved and accepted. And have you ever noticed that someone who is trying so hard to be loved and accepted, the more they try, the more they push people away? Trying so hard to belong, and you're working so hard and almost ridiculously to, to belong, and you notice that it just pushes people away. Because they see the black hole. They know we can't fill that. Because we are in Christ, we are the givers in the relationship. We are not the takers. In him, we have all that we need. Here's one other thing orphans are doing. Orphans are always testing. Always testing. Children are always accepting. You know, the Israelites were testing God. Will you love me if? Will you come through if? You ever had a friend who just unconsciously tests to see what you'll put up with? You know, you're just kind of, you're walking around and like things are going pretty good and they're like, well, will they love me? Let's see if they love me when I kaboom. And then they're like, see, I knew it. Yep, they left me too because they self-sabotage their own relationship. If you find that you push the limits of your friendships and your relationships, maybe you have an orphan mindset. You know, maybe you find that the same thing that happened with your new BFF happened with your last BFF and the three BFFs before that. And you can't find a BFF, just a BF. The last, the forever, it just doesn't happen. Well, I want to suggest to you that maybe that has to do with your mindset more than finding the wrong BFF. Maybe it's more about what's going on in you. And here's the thing about children. Children aren't trying to find, well, what are the limits of God's love? Will he love me if? You know what children are doing? Just enjoying it. We're just swimming in the love of God, knowing that it's endless. We're just playing in the love of God. We're just running in this huge field of the limitness of God's love, knowing that it is always there. Don't ever doubt if God is with you. Don't ever doubt if he's looking over you. Do you know um, I, that once I, uh, I had... Uh, Federal agents tracking me. True, you're like, what? This is a strange conspiracy theorist now. Not tracking me, watching me. This is the story. So um, now I, I actually called my dad about it. Um, he was a police officer, and he often worked on federal uh, investigations, and, and especially with narcotics. And uh, there was a time where uh, he did this massive uh, drug bust, and um, because of uh, him about to testify, uh, there were death threats on his life, my life, my sister's life, our whole family. And so actually, um, they had uh, federal agents who would like watch us and make sure that we were safe. And so I called him and I asked him about that. I was like, that happened, right? And he's like, yeah. And he says, it happened three different times, actually. Another time, a, a judge was assassinated and there was a, a death threat there. And, and uh, he said, yeah, you, you had actually federal agents who would come and watch your football games. 
And um, they would come to your practices and they would come to your school and, um, and tell that we knew that the threat had passed. And you know what? I had, to, I had no idea about that. No one told me until I was an adult. I didn't know about the other two times until this last Thursday. And I thought it was kind of a cool picture because there I was, I thought I was on my own, right? And someone was watching over me. And I just paint that picture for you because it's the same way with your heavenly father. You don't even know it and he's there and he is always with you and he never stopped looking over you. And I know that people, they may have made bad choices, but in the midst of their bad choices, God never left you and you never stopped being his child. I mean, the fact, listen, the fact that you are here proves that he was there. You understand that? Because when it happened, when that horrible thing happened and you said, God, where are you? The fact that your heart is still soft enough to be here and look for him tells me that he was guarding your heart. Tells me that he was mindful of you and watching you and pulling you and saying, yeah, even though they did that horrible thing, I'm with you and you're precious to me. And the fact that you're even listening to me right now, I think is proof that God was actually there in that moment because something happened in you where your heart stayed open and you didn't run off to hell and you didn't reject him forever but something has brought you back and you're not closed off he's always watching there are no orphans no orphans in the kingdom of God we all belong and we all are children and the questions listen the questions are answered they are answered in Jesus and it is time now for you to change the legacy will not live like an orphan. You won't think like an orphan. But you'll walk and you'll talk and you'll love and you'll reach out like a child of God. Father, thank you that we are your children. Lord, that because of Jesus, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, just children, just children of God. And I thank you, Lord, that wherever we go, we belong. Whatever we face, we are family. So Lord, I pray that you would reveal to us where we're walking and living and thinking like orphans. Help us to turn and repent and to live like the children we are that you died to make us be. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at gracemontrose.org. Say hello. Let us know what we can do to help you grow in Him. God bless you.